Welcome to the ONS Energy Talks, a podcast where you meet experts on energy, technology, and sustainability. Hello, and welcome to Learn and ONS Energy Talks. My name is Sylvia Seres, and our topic today is energy. And my guest is Kristin Färövik, the managing director of a Norwegian oil company called Lundin Norway. Welcome, Kristin. Thank you very much. So um, we'll be talking about what Lundin is doing and the change in energy markets and um, your ideas about competitiveness for the future. But before we do that, I would like you to tell us a little bit about who Kristin is. Um, by education, I'm a petroleum engineer from uh, Trondheim, uh, and that's where I sort of my first encounter with technology started. Uh, and I've been in the oil and gas industry ever since. Most of my time, I've worked for oil companies, and uh, but I also spent five very um, educational years uh, on in the contracting industry, seeing ourselves from the other side. And and when did you start with Lundin? I joined Lundin almost four years ago now. Okay. And tell us a little bit about Lundin. Lundin is a company that explores for, develops and produces oil and gas. Uh, and at the core of what we do, uh, we, are, we are explorers uh, in its truest sense. <laughs> I like that. Listen, I have to ask you, you have such a perfect UK uh, English. Uh, <laughs> ha- have you lived there for a long time? or I lived there for quite a while. Uh, first of all, I had a fantastic teacher uh, at, uh, at primary, <laughs> in primary school, but I spent 18 years with BP. Uh, wow. And I guess that's where I, I got my accent. <laughs> I see. BP accent. Yeah. So... Um, so, um, what does uh, what does Landin think about energy, about oil? Tell us a little bit about how you see uh, the current and the future, the present and the future. Yeah. Well, we are very excited about the exploration opportunities uh, in Norway. Uh, I think uh, Norway is well placed uh, to compete in a world where it's ever increasing uh, important how we produce oil and gas. The, the world is, uh, is in dire need of energy. I mean, it's the basis for all economic growth. Uh, and I think in this country in particular, because we have so much of it, we take energy for granted. Uh, but it, it, um, society in general is becoming more and more aware of how we produce that energy and that we do that in, a, in the most responsible manner possibly. And I think, therefore competitiveness in the future is not just about the cost of energy, it's also about how we provide that energy. So energy can be many things. Um, you are, a pet- by the way, I just want to make a comment. You said it very quickly, so I'm not yeah. sure people caught it, but you said you're a petroleum engineer yeah. by trade yeah, or by education. Yes. Uh, and then you became a, a, a more of a commercial yeah. leader. And you, to me, represent one of these perfect hybrids that I think the future really, really needs. Because your technical background allows you to see the opportunities for growth uh, in terms of what's doable. Um, Was it a a very unusual study for a woman? Was it a very unusual way in into leadership as a technologist? Uh, 
Well, there were uh, at the time uh, maybe between 25 and 30 percent women uh, when I went to university. And I think, uh, I, I guess maybe that's one of the disappointments uh, over the last few decades that that proportion hasn't grown all that much. I would like to see a lot more women in, in, in technology. Um, and the technologist in, in, in a corporate uh, commercial yeah, position? In, in oil and gas companies, there are a lot of technologists in leadership roles. And I think because that is because fundamentally what we're doing is so closely linked to uh, understanding the opportunities of technology, understanding the, the subsurface. Mm. Uh, I mean, at the core of what oil companies compete on, it is really the ability to to find new uh, resources. But I think what you're seeing there is spreading into absolutely every industry these days. So sometimes I have to kind of uh, catch myself because I'm a techie yeah. at heart as well. Yeah. But I love opportunities for growth. Yeah. And then you have to start talking yeah. about, you know, yeah. all the financial uh, KPIs. But really, I think the new efficiencies and the new business models will be based about new possibilities that are created by technology in terms of data, in terms of combinations of old technologies into completely new kinds of beasts. Yeah, I mean, you have to be able to see the, the uh, to have a commercial mindset and see mm. the, the commercial opportunities in whatever it is you, you are working on uh, in respect of uh, technology, whether it's uh, energy technology or other forms of, of technology, yeah. but it's really so deeply woven into everything we do. So, so um, your company, your current company, Landin, does subsurface exploration. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about what that means. Well, the, the challenge we have that what we explore for is under the at the bottom, of, under the seabed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's impossible for the human eye to see. <laughs> and uh, that's where uh, technology has made huge uh, step changes over the, just the time that I've been in the industry. Our ability to um, make pictures, um, visualize what's underneath the seabed is uh, vital in terms of uh, spending our exploration money efficiently. How does this Expl work? Yeah. How does one explore what's under uh, the seabed? Well, we use uh, something called seismic te technology, which is actually sending s sound waves uh, down to the seabed and, uh, and, uh, and exploring the layers below by looking at the reflection of the sounds as it come back and, and we capture and Those then you have some advanced modeling tools and to then we try have to see the shape and the size. Hugely advanced uh, processing um, tools to process those sound signals and transfer them into pictures of the un underground. And, and, and then based on those pictures, I imagine there is still a lot of statistics and probability because one thing is thinking, you know, have an idea of what the holes look like, but then it's super expensive to actually Chill. try to test whether you were right. Yeah, we have to combine the, the seismic with uh, our knowledge, well, all the data that we have from the surrounding area, uh, all the wellbore data, uh, we can, or everything we know about uh, the conditions uh, uh, in terms of pressure and temperature. I mean, it's a dynamic system that we are actually exploring for. Um, so understanding how uh, oil has moved over time and into the traps that we hope to find. Uh, mm. It really is very complex and you have to have a pretty creative mind to be able to picture 
so, in three dimensions, what's going on? What's going on down <laughs> yeah. there? Yeah. So, so people can imagine these huge oil platforms, which, you yes. know, you think, well, they either float or they stand on yeah. some poles and then they yeah. have some huge pipes going down and yeah. they pump. Yeah. But, but, but in order to explore, you, you make these many holes and yeah. the boring holes, as you say. Yeah. How does one do that? What, what does that look like? Uh, well, it, that's because... Is there a little, you know, drill that somehow drives <laughs> along the yeah. seabed or... Uh, most of the time we drill from movable uh, drilling rigs. They can either float or stand on the, on the, on the seabed. And at the end or uh, and, and the starting point of a drilling operation is a drill bit, which is uh, something that's harder than the rock you're trying to penetrate. <laughs> so quite often it's uh, uh, artificial diamonds that are uh, used to, to penetrate the rock. Um, and then we are drilling several kilometers down hole. We are using very advanced technology to try and see, uh, in inverted commas, what's yeah. uh, around us uh, or indeed ahead of us as we drill. Yeah. And we've become f- phenomenally good at pinpointing the drill bit to exactly where we want to go. So many, it doesn't many go ki- just straight down? No. It can go sideways? Yeah, it can go horizontally with an angle. We can drill uh, several branches of one uh, uh, of one uh, borehole. Mm-hmm. Um, Norway has also been at the forefront of developing uh, horizontal drilling technology. And sometimes uh, you to have exploit. to even chase the oil and the gas. Yeah. You have to pump stuff in to get the oil out. That's right. Uh, we then use uh, water, for example, to create a water flood in in a. F- to push the oil in front of us and push mm. the oil towards the uh, the oil well to keep the pressure up because as we produce the oil we we actually lose the the energy in the reservoir the the pressure that's there when we when we tap a hole into it if you like Must so be it's super uh, exciting yeah, operation it really is phenomenal and all of this we we use a very advanced computer modeling to understand how the oil and gas will behave and actually some of that reservoir modeling technology is now being transferred into uh, uh, modeling of blood flow in uh, heart, in heart, human hearts so that uh, one can avoid um, heart surgery, for example, on children, uh, just by, by understanding uh, how the, the blood uh, moves in the vessels. That's, that's it's fluid dynamics very, as well. That's really fluid dynamics too. Yeah. yeah. So, so to me, uh, your company is a great representative of this uh, fairy tale we had in oil services in this country. Because one thing is finding great natural resources, sometimes very well hidden, and that's a great feat of exploration and engineering. But then it's about finding these extremely good um, industrializations of that and scalability and actually exporting the technology and know-how internationally as well. Now we have a, we have developed a fantastic supply chain, uh, companies that can supply us, help us with uh, developing these oil fields, uh, and and a lot of the uh, so a lot of the work, engineering work is actually done in in Norway, uh, and it's uh, a skill that we've been able to uh, export with great success as well. So so um, we um, have ex this kind of know-how to uh, Brazil and US and are there many other areas in the world that have this similar energy challenge or opportunity to put it that way? I mean, Norway has uh, developed uh, and been particularly good in developing subsea technology, not just because 
Well, a lot of all of our oil and gas is found <laughs> sea, under the sea and in increasingly deeper water. We're also in a high cost environment. So we have always had to look for mo- the most efficient solutions, which I think serves us well now, because whatever you do, uh, if you can do it with a minimum amount of material and, and cost, you also minimize your carbon footprint. So it, it's, so it uh, works well it works and then well, others it serves need it as other. well. Uh, serves other purposes as well. So then, what, I mean, one of the, one of the controversies that uh, you mentioned to me is that the general public in Norway isn't really aware of how uh, both, um, what shall I say, unusual it is to have mm. such an important global mm. role from a relatively small country, mm. to be honest, and, and how we could do this in other areas. I mean, mm. first, we need to be really proud of what we do well in order yeah. to be able to do it more. Yeah. No, I think it's... Uh... I mean, the industry itself has to uh, continuously open up more and, and showcase uh, what we do so well. Uh, I think it's important that uh, our um, education system captures uh, the fact that Norway has become such a, a, a big technology nation, if you like, and that uh, our children learn about uh, how well we have developed our national resources, not just, you know, the fisheries and the farming and uh, the traditional Uh, crafts, but how well we've moved into a high-tech nation from shipbuilding, which is where we came from, uh, and, and being a really huge maritime nation, also on a global scale, that we've moved, taken that position also in the offshore uh, oil and gas uh, industry. I, I so agree with you. I think basically, you know, having a, a sort of a narrative around these kinds of studies, not, you know, you shouldn't become an oil petroleum engineer mm-hmm. or, or, you know, mm-hmm. something related because... Yeah the salaries are so good. Yeah. You should become because this is something we do best in the world. And, and you it's can so make, fun. Yeah, and you can make a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> you can make a huge difference. And uh, and, and right now uh, with the, uh, I mean, with the acceleration of the use of t- digital t- t- technology, we, uh, we really see that w- we are in a constant evolution and changes are coming faster and faster. So we definitely, there's so much room for, for young people people to come and join our industry and make a big difference because basically uh, you know there's some sense that uh, the, the 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 biggest growth the explosive growth the amazing years are over but there is still a lot of oil to be found and gotten out yeah. in a, in a uh, in yeah. in an environmentally yeah. friendly way yeah uh, but to put it a bit flippantly the easy oil has been found uh, and there's lots more resources i'm convinced But it's harder, tougher. Yeah. And, and we need... when the going gets tough, the yeah. tough gets going. So, absolutely. So, <laughs> this is a good game again. Yes. <laughs> so, so there is this, um, um, maybe we being a bit internally Norwegian now, but yeah. there is this new drama series called Likkeland. Yeah. Say two words about that. Oh, and how much do you recognize from your own kind of story? I mean, I, I've lived in Stavanger myself for, for decades. And uh, I, I, I mean, I do recognize a lot of it. I've, I haven't seen all episodes so far. But it is a fantastic story about how did industry developed in Norway, how Stavanger grabbed the opportunity. And, but it's also a showcase on how far we've come in such a short space of time. When you, I mean, we, if you just take the drilling operation. Uh, it, there was so much manual and da- dangerous works work in the early days on the rig floor. And that is fundamentally changed. Yeah, yeah. So we've kind of professionalized and grown yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and there is still a lot to be done. 
um, there is a lot of work do, uh, being done now on the digital avatars or twins yeah, of yeah. these platforms and I keep hearing, you know, oil companies have so much data, they just don't know exactly what they're going to do with it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you, what you want well, to do with the data? Yeah. Well, primarily we want to, to do what we're doing uh, even better. So um, just to give you one example, uh, on maintenance, move from uh, following a calendar when we do maintenance on equipment to actually use the data we gather to monitor the condition of the equipment and then only go in and, and do uh, maintenance or repairs when we see that it's actually there's a need. That, that's so one simple, uh, yeah, predi- yeah. So mm. that's one simple, uh, mm. simple example of how we can use um, all the data. And then, of course, in the future, we can do much, much more from uh, control centers onshore than actually sitting offshore, which will be safer and more efficient for everybody. I, I had a chat with. Um, um, about yeah. And I was amazed at how much of this uh, maintenance work on that yeah. platform is done uh, by now uh, automatically. Yeah. And so, you know, you save uh, human lives yeah. and you save human hands. And, yeah, uh, exactly. No, it is. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I think the, uh, the, uh, the, the challenge the industry have now is that it's not so much about the technology. It's about the humans and changing the culture and changing the way we work. What will and be the you, most interesting and important jobs for humans on these big platforms and on and and onshore? Because I imagine some of this yeah. will be more remotely managed going forward. I, I think this the human beings are phenomenal in always finding the next challenge. So I'm not the slightest bit worried <laughs> that we won't have enough exciting work to do. <laughs> it will just be different because once you've optimized something, you will always uh, always look for the next step in improvement. That's how we how we put together, I think. I think this is a wonderful way to put um, uh, something that Al- Albert Einstein put slightly differently. Yeah. He said, you know, machines are really basically quite stupid they can only give yeah. you answers yeah, yeah, yeah you need the human to ask the right question uh, yeah and find the, the yeah. next problem to solve exactly yeah. exactly so um uh, we need to be uh closing uh closing down quickly uh, relatively soon uh, what where, where should people go to learn more about this exciting field that you work in well, m- many of the, uh, the, uh, the both the uh, oil companies and technology companies have fantastic stuff on on their websites. But if you, I was going to pick one, I would go and watch the technology outlook on on BP's uh, uh, homepage. That's so really there is quite, a, there is a video. There's a video and uh, and a report, and it's called Technology Outlook. And it's something we can understand even if we don't work. I in, think in so. Oil. Very good. I'll do that. Um, what do you think people should remember from our conversation? So uh, the, the, the main picture they should have in their mind. Um, that we have an absolutely world-leading uh, oil and gas industry in Norway, that there is still a lot to do, and that uh, people are the ones that will make the difference. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for teaching us about this exciting field that you work in. Kristin uh, Färövik, the Managing Director of Landin Norway. Thank you. And thank you for listening.